evening, ladies and gentlemen, and Happy New Year, and welcome to the January 4th, 2015 edition of Season 2 of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Every week we'll take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know. You can friend me on Facebook. Send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or you can like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is YLS Wiseguy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we cannot talk about it. Uh, thank you again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy has been the servicer of the Yeshiva League for over a decade. So if you've won a championship, go take a look at that trophy, because you already have from Crown Trophy sitting in your house. Uh, please give Mike, Larry, and the entire gang a call at 718-769-411 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids each and every week right here on The Court Report. If you haven't downloaded the NSN app already for your smartphone or for your uh, for your iPhone, do so. You'll have access to all of this season and last season's episode of The Court Report. Plus, you'll also be able to send in comments for each show. Uh, just a reminder, please keep the comments nice. My job is not about degrading, criticizing, or disrespecting players or coaches. So please be courteous enough to do the same. Uh, first of all, Happy New Year, everybody. I hope everybody had a 2014 that was to their liking. I hope everybody's New Year was amazing. And I hope that uh, I hope that your all your wishes and your dreams for this coming year, whether it be Yeshiva League sports related or whether it's for yourself, I hope it all comes true. Um, we've been gone for the last two weeks, and for very good reason. Last Sunday night, I happened to be at the Barclays Center for the amazing matchup between Hafter and Flappish. I, I got to tell you. It was first-class experience. There were a lot of people there. I, I, for those of you that follow me on Facebook, my personal Facebook account, you saw the pictures I was posting. I was lucky enough to get a seat courtside. Uh, thank you to uh, to Eric Amcrowd and all the people at the at the Nets and the Barclays Center that uh, managed to allow me to get to sit front row at the scorer's table right next to the public address announcer. It made me feel like college all over again and uh, just get the chance to experience that walk on the court, you know, talk with the guys before and after the game. I, I, I got to tell you, the, the kids looked like they were having an amazing time before watching the uh, the, col- the college triple header that went on before. And then as they were warming up and the pictures and the play, especially the playing, it looked like they were having a lot of fun. And then afterwards, it was just everybody looked like they had an amazing time. And all the fans, all the fans, it was an electric atmosphere. And I really, really hope to get the chance to do it again. I hope more kids get the chance to experience it because it really is that once-in-a-lifetime experience. And, I mean, for me, sitting on the sides, getting to watch it, it, it was just it was so much fun. But even even the kids just watching them play, just wishing that I could be out there at some point doing that, it was just so much fun. And um, Yasha Koach to Flatbush and Hafter for putting it together. Um, Eric Amkraut over at, uh, at Flatbush, who was on our show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the athletic director, he worked it out with the Nets, with the Barclays Center, and then Joey Honig at Hafter uh, getting involved, and the two of them just put together a really, really great show, 
and when I say show, as if it's you know they they orchestrated a, a play for us. But the, you got, they did a great job getting their schools and their kids involved, selling tickets, and uh, even even after uh, after using their ticket money to uh, to help raise money for the friends of the IDF, which is a great cause. So Yasha Koach to uh, to Hafter for for finding a way to get that to work that into the program as well. Um, for those of you that didn't see it and want to see it. Uh, you actually can because, and, and I, I urge you to, because there's just something about watching these kids play in a world-class arena. And I've seen the stream. Um, Flatbush actually put together a stream for it. I think I, I think I put up the site on. Uh, I may have or I may have not put on the site, uh, put up the the site a couple of weeks ago on the Facebook page. If I didn't, I, I'm gonna put a, I'm actually gonna put a link up now for you. I'll put a link up, and you can go see it. Flatbush did a great job live streaming the game. A couple of great broadcasters. Um, I, I would highly recommend watching it just for the nostalgia of watching of watching kids play. You know, Yeshiva League kids, or Yeshiva kids in general, play a game at the Barclays Center. I think you'll be drawn into it. You'll want to watch the entire thing. Uh, yeah, Shakoach to Flatbush for putting that together on such short notice. I wish I could have done it. I wish we could have done something like that. But it just didn't work out. So great for them for picking up the ball, running with it, and allowing everybody else to see all the fun that they were having. Um, but because we've been away for two weeks, there's a ton to catch you up on because in basketball, uh, especially in basketball, where over the last two weeks, 30 games were played, including the, uh, the game at the Barclays Center, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. Um, but let's stay on the two teams because it, it's, it's very important to, to figure out what led up to that game. So we're gonna, ta- we're gonna start off with those two teams, uh, two teams heading in in opposite directions in the MYHSBL Eastern Conference. We're gonna start with Flatbush. The Falcons came into the Barclays Center at four and seven after a week of close games and crushing buzzer beaters. Two Sundays ago, the Falcons met up with the North Shore Stars in the fourth game of a boys and girls JV and varsity quadruple header. Now, under a minute to go in the ball game, North Shore up 30 to 27. Bobby Sofer drains a long three with five ticks left on the clock to tie the game at 30. That five seconds, that would be enough for the Stars, as on the inbounds, the ball found its way to Josh Hecht for a jumper from 10 feet out to win the game at the buzzer for North Shore, giving them their ninth win of the year. Three days later, the Falcons met up with YDE. The Thunder maintained a small lead throughout the game. Flappers down three, ball being inbounded from under their defensive basket, and only a single second left on the clock. Ball was inbounded deep in the backcourt to junior guard Elliot Beta, who in that one second heaved the ball toward the basket, watches it hit the backboard, and fell in to send the game to overtime. In the extra session, it would be YDE's chance for last-second heroics with the clock winding down and Falcons nursing a one-point lead. YDE sank a shot with eight seconds left, and for the second game in a row, the Flappers varsity team went down in defeat on the final shot of the game, this time the score of 50-49. to the very next night, the Falcons and Hawks would meet up in Hafter for a primer to Sunday's showdown in Brooklyn, uh, despite Flappish's proficiency from beyond the arc, nailing eight three-pointers for them by Sofer in a 13-point performance. The Hafter inside game was too much for Flappish to handle, as the Hawks would take that game 45-39. to 
the win would keep Hafter undefeated as they also downed Hank in the only other game they played earlier that week. The Hawks and Falcons filed into Brooklyn's newest sports venue for what would be a full day of round ball. The game would take place following a triple header of college basketball action with one ticket good for admission to all four games. Upon the final buzzer of the last college game, which was an overtime thriller between Fairfield and Loyola, the players took the court for pictures, a short warm-up followed by pregame introductions, which is really cool. Every one of the kids on teams got their names announced over the loudspeaker. Uh, The Star Spangled Banner and Hatikva. A battling death perception, court spacing, and perhaps even a bit of nerves during the first couple of minutes. The first quarter started out really slow on the scoreboard, with neither team finding the bottom of the net for the first four minutes of the game. Until the Falcons' Ray Braha took a feed down low and backed his way into the lane for a turnaround jumper off the glass to give Flatbush a 2 nothing lead. An Allen Mallet jumper from the wing and a Bobby Sofa three-pointer later, the only long-range strike on the night from either team. And a minute after a scoreless tie, the Falcons had opened up a 7 to nothing lead. The rest of the first quarter would be a foul fest for the Falcons, a trend that would play a factor as the game went on, with Braha and Joe Gindy each picking up their second strikes before the one-minute mark of the opening quarter of play. Albert Richter would stretch the lead to 9-0 on a beautiful misdirection handoff play by Mark Cohen, and it looked as if Flatbush would hold the Hawks off the scoreboard for the entirety of the first quarter. With four seconds on the clock, however, after Hawk Phenom, E.B. Perlow, held out for much of the first quarter, uh, drove the lane, and drew a foul with just a tenth of the second left on the clock. Perlow would miss the first, but convert the second, giving Hafter its sole point at the last possible moment of the first, ending the period at 9-1 in Flatbush's favor. The more telling number for the Falcons at that point, however, was probably the seven glaring back at them from the fouls column, giving Hafter shots from the line for the rest of the first half. In the second quarter, the fouls would continue to pile up for the Falcons, and they would become more and more costly, as Hafter would find their rhythm from the line, with Perlau nailing two more, and Max Rosner adding one on two Isaac Mizrahi fouls to cut the lead to 9-4. The Falcons would respond by going on a 6-0 run, with four points by Mary Kamchatki, sandwiching a beautiful follow-up by Elliot Beta off of an Eli Katan steal, and with 2.42 to go in the half, the Falcons had an 11-point lead. The rest of the half would prove to be an important stretch for the Hawks, though. Undeterred by the lack of early success, Hafter stayed with its plan of using its size on the inside, and for the last two and a half minutes of the second quarter, it would pay dividends, as Rosner and Perlow led Hafter on a 6-2 run to cut the halftime deficit to 7, and with the Falcons up 17-10. to The third would open up with Beta depositing a teardrop for Flatbush, but Hafter would retain the momentum, as Flatbush could not stay out of foul trouble. Braha, a key piece of the Falcons' early success against the Hawk big men, was relegated to the bench at the 4.50 mark of the period, having picked up fouls 3 and 4, 2 of 5 assessed to Flatbush in a minute and a half stretch of play. The swing would see Hafter go on a 13-2 run over a 3-minute stretch, capped off by a beautiful backdoor feed from Perlout to Jonathan Greenberg to give the Hawks their first lead of the game at 23-21. The team would trade buckets, and a Mike Weissman lay-in off of a Greenberg steal would give Hafter a one-point lead going into the final quarter of play. The Falcons, fighting for their playoff lives, were not about to roll over, though, and hand the Hawks the game. After Perlow again hit one of two from the line, Beta would hit a floater from under the basket, and then strip Perlow in the backcourt, leading to a wide-open Dion layup to give the Falcons a two-point advantage with 4.47 to go. Following a timeout from Hafter, Kamchaki would pick up two fouls, with Hafter only able to hit one of two shots on both trips to the line to tie the game at 30. 
having effectively held half to without a field goal for the first half of the quarter. The Falcons looked to be winning back momentum with a Richter running lay-in, but, as it was all night, fouls would clip the Falcons' wings. Rosner and Greenberg would each hit three, sorry, would hit three of four shots to give half to a 33-32 lead with 2.47 to go, and then fouls by Beta and Silverman would send Rosner to the line to hit two of four to give half to a three-point edge with 36 seconds left. Flappish held possession and chose to wind the clock down. However, Hafter's three-point defense held true, denying the guards the opportunity to shoot. Flappish was still able to move the ball around, and it wound up in the hands of a wide-open Kamchatki behind the line for a three-point attempt that clanked off the front of the rim, sealing Hafter's 35-32 come-from-behind victory. For the Hawks, it was very easy to see that the difference was their big men with uh, Rosner and Perlau, who led the scoring with 13 and 10 respectively. For the Falcons, nine players made the score sheet as everybody from both teams played. With uh, so Actually, com- you know, I commend the coaches for finding a way to work every player in. It was great to see everybody touch the court, everybody get a, really a chance with the ball, and get a chance to, uh, to have an experience on that court in this game and still work it in, knowing that it was a a regular season game still, they were able to uh, to work their strategies so that so that everybody can get a chance to play, which is something that may not normally happen on uh, you know in a re- normal regular season game. But uh, nine players for Flatbush made the score sheet with Beta scoring a team leading six points on a night where Flatbush held half to the long stretches without a field goal, including up to 2:30 left in the second quarter. The difference in the game was in the foul discrepancy and the opportunities created from the line. Hafter held a 28 to two advantage in the free throw opportunities and used it to their advantage, um, despite only shooting 57 percent or 16 of 28 from the charity stripe on the night. The Hawks would be back in action this past Wednesday against DRS in what we crowned two weeks ago as the biggest rivalry in Yeshiva sports. DRS came in at 10-1, and one, one game behind the Hawks after having defeated Hank by 8 and doubling up Mag and David 32-16 to 16 the week before. The implications of the game were massive for the East, a DRS win, and the two would be drawn even in the loss column, and a sorely needed boost for DRS heading into the break with North Shore and Frisch awaiting on the other side. A half-to win would put the Hawks at 11-0, and effectively a three-game cushion on both DRS because of tiebreakers and North Shore because of their three losses in the race for the division crowd. Uh, the tension in the crowd was palpable as the game was tight throughout. As an example of the seesaw nature of the game, DRS led by one after the first, Hafter took a two-point lead going into the half, and the game was tied at 34 to enter the third. In the final quarter, though, the Hawks found their wings, outstripping the Wildcats 13-7 to for a 47-41 final. The win, as I said before, now all but clinches the division for Hafter, who is a win or a DRS and North Shore loss away. It's pretty much academic, though, as I'm willing to bet that the Hawks are going to put it away tomorrow night when they face 1-11 Derekatora in what actually will be the only East game on the week. The Bulldogs are finishing out their stretch. Uh, they fell to Mag and David this past week. Jack Shedbar led the Warriors with 18 in what was a 42-point victory. The Warriors were in action again uh, today against Hank. Uh, both teams had uh, one other final on the week, with Hank defeating Rombaum 66-36, and Mag and David upsetting Western Conference playoff contender Hillel. The Heat took a 10-point lead in the first, but the Warriors were able to turn the battle around behind Shedbar's 22 to win the game 60-48. Robert Tobias led Hillel in the loss with 17. 
on the discussion of West teams, let's head out to the West, and we're going to stick with Hillel. The Heat would suffer a second loss on the week, losing, losing to division leader Frisch, 60-58. to Benny Tuckman scored 16 for Frisch to lead four players in double figures. Scott Levine added 15, Tyler Hode had 13, and Andrew Langer scored 12. Tobias once again led Hillel with 16 points, and Nathan Beebe added 12. Hillel looked to snap their skid this afternoon when they took on MTA, who was also reeling after two losses this week. The first, a 53-37 decision to JEC, behind 22- and 20-point performances from Shmaryahu Shulman and Mark Shapiro, respectively. And the second, a 53-40 loss to TABC, behind a 20-point scorer of their own, Dan Peleoff. The win for TABC, in combination with their 72-58 win over YDE last week, clinches them a playoff berth and keeps them two behind Frisch, as the Cougars would also pick up a win as a result of a Kushner forfeit. Conversely, the loss to TABC ensures that MTA, now 3-9, and will once again miss the playoffs out west. The two MTA opponents from this week, TABC and JEC, also met up today. In the only game played out west from the week of the 21st, that was two weeks ago from before the game at the Barclays Center, Ramaz used a pair of free throws by Sammy Merkin to seal a 43-40 win over SAR. The Sting were able to wipe away deficits of 6 and 5, but could not overcome Merkin's 16-point performance, pushing SAR to 3-7 and seven and the brink of elimination in, uh, in when it comes to playoff consideration. So let's take a look at the standings at the end of this week. Uh, in the Eastern Division, not counting today's games. Hafter is 11-0. DRS is 10-2. North Shore 9-3. Mag and David and YDE each with six wins. Mag and David at 6-4. YDE at 6-6. Six six. Hank is 4-7. and seven. Flappish is 4-8. and eight. We'll discuss the two of them in a minute. And Derek Hattora and Rambam round up the division at 1-11 and 1-12. And and Going out west, Frisch remains undefeated at 10-0. TABC follows behind them at 8-2. Heschel is right behind them at 6-4. and four. Then you have three teams with five losses. You have Ramaz at 7-5, and five, and Hillel and JEC each tied at 6-5. and five. And then behind them a ways is SAR and MTA tied with three wins. Uh, SAR at 3-7, and seven, MTA at 3-9, and nine, and Kushner rounds out the division at 0-11. This coming week, there are only going to be four games. There's only one in the East, as I mentioned. Tomorrow night's Derek Hatora-Hafter matchup. Tuesday has TABC at Frisch, a game we'll get to in a second. Wednesday has Heschel and Kushner, which could have an impact on the uh, on the playoff matchups. And then Saturday night will be Ramaz at Frisch. Talking about the playoffs, both the East and West Division champions can be decided this week. As said earlier, a have-to-win over Derek Hattora will give them the East, but a Frisch win over TABC on Tuesday will do the same for them. On the other hand, a TABC win today and tomorrow will tie the two in the win column, and with a Heschel loss to Kushner, as I said, that may have playoff implications, TABC will join Frisch as the two West Bay teams. In terms of playoff berths, the East has four of its spots filled, with Hafter, DRS, North Shore, and YDE already having punched tickets. Mag and David is on the doorstep, and we'll get there with a win today over Hank. With uh, Derek Hattora and Rambam, the division is you know, effectively a seven-team race because they're eliminated. So it's a seven-team race for six spots, with Flappish and Hank battling for what will most likely be the last spot, with both tied at four wins. Out West, only Frisch and TABC have clinched playoff berths. But like the East, it's also only a seven-team race, with MTA and Kushner effectively eliminated. Ramaz, Heschel, Hillel, and JEC are on the cusp, and it's really only a matter of time as SAR is not 
mathematically out, but would need quite a lot to break right in order to lock down a spot for the playoffs. Let's take a look at the Jewish Hoops America Top 25 from last week. Uh, the top still basically remains the same. Hafter, Frisch, DRS, and North Shore are your 1 through 4 with Eula in the 5 spot. Heschel still at the 6 spot. TABC still at the 9 spot. So that's your that's your your teams from the Yeshiva League in the top 10. Below them, Ramaz moves up from 15th to 13. Hillal drops from 13th to 15th. JEC is right behind them, and Floppish is right behind them. I, I guess this may have come out maybe before the game at the Barclays Center, because I think they showed a lot at the Barclays Center. So if this is taking that into account, I, I think they may... They may have been. They may have deserved a little higher ranking. I mean, you almost knocked off Hafter. You, you played with them, and you you came down to a final shot. I think they may have deserved just a little more credit than dropping from 16th to 17th. If that's not taken into consideration, then you know I hear that. But I think that if if the voters did have the Barclays Center game at their disposal, maybe a, a push up uh, might have been in order. Um, and finally. Uh, SAR is in 24th, and Mag and David and Hank, well, Hank and Mag and David in that order uh, for receiving votes, and YDE also received a couple of votes this week. Let's take a move over to JV Basketball. Uh, this week, the West featured four games with MTA involved in three of them, in the only game not including the Lions. SAR improved to 6-1 and one with a 50-26 to 26 shellacking of Ramaz at the Hive. Other than that, the Lions were the Kings on the week, starting out with a 45-32 win over JEC, followed up by a 51-43 win over TABC. The two wins also puts MTA at 6-1, and and by the time their week is over, they will likely be in the driver's seat in the West as they faced Hillel today. And I'd be very surprised, just as much as... You know, after Varsity facing Derek Latour tomorrow night, I'd be surprised if uh, MTA uh, lost uh, given Hillel's winless record on the year. But I have seen bigger upsets in the past, to be honest, so you never know. Never say never, but I, I pretty much bet that MTA took the win. At 7-1, and MTA would temporarily hold the top spot in the West and would set them and SAR on a collision course at the end of the month, potentially for the division crown, you know, pending other results over the month. The East carried the week, though, in terms of games, with 10 on the slate. We're going to start out at the top with the only remaining undefeated team in JV basketball, and that being the Flappish Falcons. Flappish, with four victories over the past 14 days, has surged out to the top of the East. The stretch started out as the third game in the quadruple header with North Shore on the 21st. North Shore came in at 7-1, having just lost their first game to Hafter a few days earlier. The first half was all even right down to the end of the second, with the teams nodded at 22 going into the break. But in the third, Flatbush's star sophomore, A.B. Rosau, enjoying a stellar year in the paint for the Falcons, led an 11-0 run, 11-0 run and would end up scoring 11 of the team's 15 points on the quarter. With the lead at 12, and North Shore held to a lone three-pointer by the end of the third, it was all about the clock, as the Falcons worked to a 52-41 finish. Rosau finished with 29 points and 18 rebounds. You know, Rosau is really proving to be one of the most dominant uh, big men for the sophomore class. He's tallied a double-double in the majority of the games played this year. 
Looking forward to his next two years in varsity, you know, Rosal might fit the mold currently occupied by that other AB at this point. While their game with North Shore was denied of being the Battle of the Undefeateds, Flatbush was fortunate enough to have that situation four days later. One night after surviving YDE 50-44, to the Falcons met up with undefeated Hafter, fresh off of an eight-point win over Hank. Defensively, the Hawks gave the Falcons fits for the first half, and it did not help that EOL Goldberg, one of the key starting forwards, was relegated to the bench with foul trouble early. Hafter was able to roll into the halftime break up 14-13 because of it. However, on the other side of the break, just like the game with North Shore, Flopush took over. Goldberg, Kevin Haddad, and uh, Rosau combined for a 15-3 tear to give them a major advantage. Hafter would close the gap just a bit, but Rosau would put the game away with 7 points in the 4th, pushing his game total out to 18, half of which came from a perfect 9-for-9 night at the free-throw line, and tallying double-digit boards for yet another double-double. Finally, Flatbush closed out the year with a win over Magan David on Tuesday night. The Falcons beat the Warriors by the score 59-41, to with Rosau posting, what else? A double-double with 18 points and 13 rebounds. Haddad led the game in scoring with 19 for Flatbush. Teddy Shama led Mag and David in scoring with 16. As a result of the win, Flatbush is now 9-0 and has officially clinched the division crown. Several other teams played multiple games on the week as well. Hank played two in four days, rebounding from their loss to Hafter with a 46-42 win at home over DRS. Jason Abraham scored 19 in the win. Moshe Khalili ch- uh, chipped in with 13. Hank and Mag and David are playing right now as we speak. Rambam catapulted themselves into the playoff picture. After losing their first five games of the season, the Ravens have put together a four-game winning streak, including two this past week. The Ravens first dispatched of Ezra 58-32, sweeping the home-and-home home with the Eagles, and then upended Share 42-30 to improve to 4-5. and five. Also, DRS knocked off Ezra to keep themselves at the 500 mark. Taking a look at the standings, starting out in the East, Flatbush is 8-0, Hafter behind them at 6-1, North Shore at 7-2, DRS and Hank both at 4-4, Ramba behind them at 4-5, Shari Tora at 3-5, YDE behind them at 3-6, Mag and David at 2-5, and, and Ezra at 0-9. Out in the West, you have SAR and MTA tied at 6-1 at the top of the division. Frisch is at 4-2. Ramaz at five and three, TABC at four and three, Heschel at three and three, JEC at three and six, Kushner at two and seven, and Hillel rounds out the division at zero and seven. Looking ahead to next week's games, uh, not too many games on the slate, only three of them. The only game for the East will uh, be Monday night, tomorrow night, Hafter meets up at Ezra. Tuesday night, we'll see TABC traveling to take on Frisch in a battle of two of the top teams in the West, and then you have the, and then you have Saturday night, Ramaz traveling to Frisch as well. Time now to move over to the girls' leagues, which we haven't checked on in a couple of weeks. A couple of really, really huge playoff races going on. So let's start off with Girls A. Uh, the, the East had three games on the week. Flatbush and North Shore started out the week with Flatbush running away with a 22-point win behind a 9-point third quarter run by Robin Dweck. The win locked up a playoff spot for the Falcons, who are perched at 6-4, and four, which is remarkable considering that they only won two of their first six games on the season. Their run has put them in position to earn a first-round playoff home game. This was aided by Ramaz's 37-20 flogging of Hafter. Ramaz has locked up the number one spot in the division, 
at 10 and 1 and is now about uh, you know ruining the hopes of other teams. For Flatbush, a win over Hank after the break and a half to loss will lock up the two seed. While Hafter will be relegated to traveling, the Hawks have locked up a playoff spot themselves, but their position is still in limbo because of Hank's win over Central this week, keeping the Hurricanes alive in the race for the number three spot at three and five, two wins behind Hafter. The loss has officially knocked Central out of playoff contention. Out west, Bruria, SAR, and Frisch will be locked in a vicious battle down the home stretch. Bruria defeated Mayanote 65-47, and then Kushner last night, while Frisch took home a double on the week, defeating Kushner and Hillo. As a result, Bruria sits at 9-2 with SAR at 7-2, and, and Frisch at 7-3. and three. One of these two teams will take a major hit next week, as Frisch and SAR will play next Sunday. So either SAR will win and uh, Clint will clinch a home game for Bruria, and putting the Sting away, uh, uh, win away from doing the same, or Frisch will win, giving Bruria some breathing room in the race for the division crown. Behind the three are Mayanote and Hillel, who met up uh, with Hillel taking a 50-44 to win. To Mayanote's credit, they may have been exhausted, as it was their third game in four days on the week, as besides the Breweria game earlier, and this one, they played and defeated Kushner 63-51 to in between. Hillel's win puts them one game behind Mayanote in the race for the last playoff spot, but secures the all-important season sweep in the event of a tie. Kushner's losses dropped them to 3-7 and seven and officially out of the playoff race. Taking a look at the games on the week, we have Hafter and Hank meeting up Monday night, SAR and Kushner on Tuesday, Hillel and Heschel on Wednesday, and as I just said, SAR and Frisch meeting up next Sunday. Taking a look at the standings for Girls Varsity A in the East, Ramaz leads at 10-1, and one, Flappish at 6-4, and four, Hafter behind them at 5-5, five and five, Hank at 3-5, and five, North Shore at 4-7, and seven, Heschel at one and eight, and Central at one and nine. Out in the West, Bruria is nine and two, SAR at seven and two, Frisch at seven and three, Mayanote at five and six, Hillel is at four and five, and Kushner rounds out the division at three and eight. In Girls B, there were only four games on the week, and they'll only have two next week as the Girls B season draws to a close. Uh, there will only be eight games total. On the other side of winter break, uh, the real matchup of the week was today between Bruria and SKA. Both teams took wins on the week. SKA got theirs through a 46-32 win over Shalhevet, while Bruria was awarded a forfeit victory over Shari Torah. So SKA at 8-0 and Bruria at 8-1 have both clinched playoff berths. Uh, th- those records are before today, just keep that in mind. But they battled today for the rights for the first seed. We'll have more on that game next week. An SKA win, and it's pretty much sealed. The Sonics would have a two-win lead and the tiebreak on Bruria with only three games remaining for them, which includes a game with Shari Torah. A Bruria win, and this thing gets blown wide open, because it would mean a split of the regular season games. So, we could be headed for a coin flip, if that happens today, which would make for an intense few weeks ahead. In the only other game from the past two weeks, Elon beat out Mag and David 23-22 to in the battle of two teams that were at 4-3, and three, to put Elon up a game on Mag and David and tie them with Shalhevet in wins, but remain two losses ahead. Mag and David is now 4-4 four and four and is one false step away from finding themselves on the outside looking in for the postseason. The Warriors face Shalhevet Tuesday, and a loss would spell disaster as they would be 4-5, and five, two wins behind Shalhevet at 6-5, and five, and would have two tough matchups on the other side of the break that they would need to win. 
Tuesday, we'll also see Elon travel to Shalamath. This will be important for Elon, as their remaining games will not be picnics. Shalamath, along with Shari, are eliminated from postseason contention. Since I just mentioned those two games on the week, we'll just move ahead to the standings. SKA leads the division at 8-0. Brewery at 8-1. Elon at 5-3. Shalhevit at 5-5. Meg and David at 4-4. Shari Torah at 1-9. And Shalamath rounds it out at 0-9. Finally, we're going to head over to Girls JV. Also, a very light slate for the Girls JV after this week. There will only be four games left, and it's likely that the majority of player probabilities will be available to us come next week. In the East, the first game of the stretch was the matinee game of that Flatbush North Shore quadruple header that we've been talking about all day. Last time, Flatbush steamrolled the Stars in Great Neck. This time around, it was a much closer contest. The two teams matched points in the opening quarter and were almost even at the midpoint, with North Shore holding a slim 13-12 to margin. Defense was the focal point in the first half, with neither team being able to score consistently, and with the Stars holding Flatbush's normally deadly outside shooter, Esther Harari, to only two points in the half. Flatbush was also clearly hampered by the absence of Jackie Mizrahi, a key inside presence in the last matchup. I got the chance to, to catch a little bit of this game. In the second half, North Shore slowly got some separation and stretched it out to a 10-point lead early in the fourth quarter. Then with a little over five minutes left, Harari was fouled on a three-pointer. She would hit all three free throws in what looked to be a momentum swing for Flatbush, but the Falcons could not capitalize. The Stars, recognizing the possible momentum shift, ran an effective four-corners offense, freezing the ball and running off nearly two minutes of the clock. The end result was a 34 26 North Shore victory, evening the season series and setting up what could be a huge game should these two meet again in the playoffs, which could be a very strong possibility. The win now puts the Stars at 7-1, and with Flappers right behind them at 7-2. and Both teams have clinched the top two spots in the East and will face the third and four seeds from the West. All that's left to be determined is the seeding. The Stars are in action tomorrow night against Hafter, while the Hawks are fight- of Hafter are fighting to gain the last playoff spot in the East, and can do so with the win. Earlier in the week, the Hawks fell to Mayanote 48-34 in the first of two interconference matchups on the night. In the other, Frisch kept their home game hopes alive, defeating Central 43-26. However, the hopes are somewhat slim. Frisch is currently at 5-4 and four and can only really get to win number 6. Mayanote has already taken one of the top two spots out west, and SAR is already at six wins with three games left, including contests against sub-500 teams Hafter and Westchester. Before then, though, Frisch and SAR will face next Sunday, so the other two may just be icing on the cake in the race to catch Mayanote at the top. An SAR loss, though, and Mayanote is pretty much assured the West. Looking at what's set in JV, seven of the eight teams have clinched playoff berths. In the East, North Shore and Flatbush have home games, while Central will travel in the first round. Out West, the teams are Mayanote with a home game, and SAR and Frisch in the battle for two and three, while Kushner is locked in the four seed. Taking a look at the standings as we round out girls' basketball for the day. <clears throat> In the East, North Shore at 7-1, and one, Flatbush at 7-2. and two. Central behind them at 3-5, and five, with Hafter at 2-5, and five, and Ramaz rounds out the division at 1-8. and eight. In the West, Maya Note leads at 8-1, and one, SAR at 6-1, Frisch at 5-4, and four, Kushner at 3-7, and seven, and Westchester rounds out the division at 0-8. You are listening to The Court Report on the Knockham Siegel Network. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg. Once again, we are sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. 
Now let's move on to the hockey side of things, starting out with varsity. Last night was a really important night in the varsity hockey world with Court Report's number one ranked team, TABC, and number two ranked team, Hafter, squaring off in TABC. We're going to get to that game and my thoughts on it very, very shortly, but first I want to catch you up on some of the other action over the week. But what resulted from the game last night will have major implications for the rest of the varsity season. As promised two Sundays ago, I told you I'd make a point to discuss the SAR Hank game that took place because it was the day of a broadcast. Coming into this game, the Hurricanes had not lost a game in regulation on their home court, only losing to DRS in overtime in their five games at home. SAR at 7-2 and two at that point came in looking to put distance between itself and Kushner in the race for one of the top spots in the Western Division. Neither team was able to break through in the first, but the second proved to be the key for the home team. In a span of three minutes, the Hurricanes were able to amass a two-goal lead on markers by Matthew Rosenberg and Ezra Kushner. Hank was able to carry the two-goal lead for most of the period, but could not keep the sting off the board as Sam Schwalbe slammed home an SAR goal with just under two minutes to go in the period. Hank looked to be in control until halfway through the third when the Hurricanes found themselves down a man and out of luck as SAR turned a power play into the game-tying goal. And for the fourth time this year at that point, and the third time at home, you'll see why I say that soon, the Hurricanes would play in extra session. Following Hank killing off three minutes of three-on-two action after taking two consecutive penalties, Josh Wengrofsky found himself breaking in all alone on the SAR net, only to have Gil Fortgang make a toast save denying Wengrofsky's third overtime winner and keeping Hank's streak of not winning games where Wengrofsky does not score alive as the game would end in a 2-2 tie. It would be the first of four games for the Hurricanes over the two-week stretch. Following SIR, Hank steamrolled Mag and David behind the play of the up-and-coming Berg line of Matthew Rosenberg and Yoni Goldenberg, but then had that home streak snapped in a 4-1 loss to Hafter. However, the game that Hank may hang its hat on this season as its statement game was the game they played on Monday night in DRS. As I said earlier, the last time these two played in Hank, DRS won 3-2 in overtime after a Hank comeback to force the extra session. This time, the game played in DRS would be one of the season's best. Netminders Ari Guttenmacher and Josh Geller were on point, and wouldn't you know, it went to overtime. The fifth on the year for Hank, with the score at 0-0. Early in the extra session, Mr. Overtime, Wayne Grofsky, just like against SAR, had an opportunity all alone and could not connect. A few seconds later, a crazy play as a DRS clear hit off the back wall behind the Hank net and headed back toward the face-off circle, where Leo Rubin smacked the ball out of midair into the net past Geller for the one nothing overtime win. In Geller's defense, unless you knew the ball would be going directly to Rubin, there was absolutely no way to be able to track that shot. The best you can do as a goalie is just hope that your defense is the first to the ball in that situation. For Hank, the loss drops them to 6-3-1-2, with DRS being both of those overtime losses. The five overtime sessions that they've had this year, two losses to DRS, two wins to Rambam and uh, Flatbush, and a tie to SAR marked the most on the season in varsity, two ahead of Frisch, who have yet to win a game in extra time. We'll get to Frisch in just a moment when we get to the West, but just to finish out the East, with the exception of Hafter, DRS grabbed win number 9 prior to the Hank game, blanking Flatbush 6-0, making the uh, Hank game win number 10 for the Wildcats. 
Out West, bitter rivals JEC and Kushner squared off in Elizabeth after being tied 4-4 with eight minutes to go in the third. The Thunder won on a power play that backfired when Elon Slonim scored shorthanded, leading to a 6-4 Kushner victory, sweeping the season series between the two. MTA put on an impressive show in this week, playing three games that marked their case for consideration as one of the favorites in the postseason. Monday night saw the Lions defeat Frisch in Paramus 3-1. After Odi Haramadi scored early to give Frisch a 1-0 lead, Ezra Quint and Ami Rosenfeld scored. Rosenfeld twice to help the Lions to their seventh win of the year, pitting them one point behind Kushner and SAR and a game behind Ramaz. The Lions would have a chance to improve their standing with two games against TABC, sandwiching the Frisch game. In both games, MTA played extremely well, dropping two goal losses, a 3-1 loss in TABC and a 2-0 loss at home. Quint scored the lone goal for MTA in the two games. Game 1 saw Shuana Orr score twice and Yair Noller score once, while the second game had Shuki Weinstein and Rami Levine battling neck and neck at 0-0 until eight minutes left when Buddy Wise cracked through for the storm. An insurance goal two minutes later would push it out to the final score. Now that we've covered TABC, let's roll back to Hafter for a couple of minutes. The Hawks rode in to last night's game at 10-0-1 after having defeated Rambam 4-1 on Monday night. That was a very interesting game with, if you saw my photo on Facebook, very few people in attendance for reasons which we will not discuss. Evan Fader scored twice in the victory for Hafter. So this made last night's game all the more interesting. You have both teams coming in undefeated, TABC at 8-0 and Hafter at 10-0-1. TABC ranked number one in the rankings and Hafter ranked number two. For TABC, a win would mark sole possession of the West lead. For Hafter, it would all but lock up the top seed in the East. The first period, it ended 0-0, but really it wasn't that close. Uh, for the majority of the time, TABC was in was in Hafter's offensive zone. They really controlled the pace of the period. Even on a Hafter power play five minutes into the game, uh, assessed to Ari Fuchs for roughing, the majority of that power play really had the ball on Kalev Minsky's stick at killing off the penalty for for TABC. Hafter really did not get much going on that power play. I'm not even sure they, re- they actually got a shot off. Moving ahead to the second period, early on in the period, it looked like the Storm had gotten the first marker on the board when a shot hit the top of goalie Ryan Gluck's pads and fell through. But the ball must have had some crazy spin on it because it ended up bouncing behind Gluck and rolled back outward from between his leg pads back toward play. The ball never crossed the line, and the referees were right on top of it. A couple of minutes later, though, Storm did get on the board when a beautiful cross pass from Ari Fuchs found its way to Yair Noller, who ripped the shot top shelf for the one nothing Storm lead. After Noller's goal, the Storm were able to weather yet another penalty when Shuana Orr went off for high sticking. Towards the end of the period... Looked as if uh, Hafter would be able to uh, maintain being down one. But a uh, shot from the line by Alex Malik that looked to be going wide ended up deflecting off a Hafter player and into net past Gluck to give TABC a 2 nothing lead with a minute 20 to go. Hafter hoped that that would be all, but it absolutely would not. As with nine seconds left, Daniel Levy, cutting out from behind the net, hit a cutting Ari Fuchs in the middle for another goal that put TABC up 3 nothing going into the break. It would end up being a dagger into Hafter's heart, as even though the third period would start off with a Hafter goal by Sam Schechter two minutes in, it was all TABC from there. About a minute and a half later, Arie Berman 
came around the net, put one in off of Gluck into the net for a 4-1 lead. Uh, TABC would add two more. Noller would have his second with 4.56 to go in the game. Two minutes later, Hafter would try to get something started with uh, their patented cycle. Um, could not convert. <laughs> TABC took the ball down to the other end and show them how it was done with Sam Eisensatter receiving a pass from uh, Jonah Gantrow and depositing it in the back of the net with 2.46 to go to give uh, TABC that 6-1 victory. So, coming out of this game, there are two questions remaining. One, can anyone stop the storm? Hafter appeared to coming into this game to be the only team with the firepower to match the storm to go along with the size on the defensive line. Uh, question number two, with Hafter losing like this to TABC, what does this mean for the East this year? We were talking about the team that probably coming into this game, uh, at least according to me, would have been ranked number two overall. Now that we have the two matched up and we finally see how they went against each other, not so sure that's the case. It's kind of hard to say. So I think we're going to have to wait for the rest of the season to really see where the East settles, sorry, where Hafter settles in, uh, in uh, as it relates to TABC. But what does this mean for the East in total? You have Hafter, the number one team in the East, probably end up with the number one, depending on what happens with them in DRS. DRS and Hafter will meet once more towards the end of the year, and the winner of that will really have the advantage going into the final couple of days of play, because the winner of that will have their fate in their own hands in terms of the number one seed. Uh, Very important, because the winner of that will end up avoiding TABC, assuming TABC makes it all the way through to the finals. We'll discuss more about that later on as it goes. But think about it. Right now, the best team in the East just got demolished 6-1 to TABC. You can say it was in TABC, so maybe there was something about just playing in TABC. Maybe if this game was in Hafter, people might think it would go differently. But 6-1, there are a lot of better teams in... uh, Sorry, there are a lot of the good teams in the West that... You know, look at what MTA did. MTA played right with TABC. MTA right now is looking to be either the second, third, or fourth best. Possibly, they can go all the way up to second, but it looks as if they'll settle more in the third or fourth spot. If that's the case, if they do end up in the fourth spot, they end up facing, say, North Shore Flatbush in the first round, depending on how things finish up in the East. After that, they're facing Hafter, in Hafter. Now, in the past, these two have had some really great battles, but you're talking about this year, the four seed in the West and the one seed in the East. It's very likely that MTA could go into Hafter, the way Hafter played tonight, the way MTA played this week, and MTA comes out of there with a win, which means there is a possibility that you could have three, maybe even four West semifinalists this year, given how the West is playing and how it is compared to the East. Is this the case, or is this all just conjecture? I guess we'll find out over the next few weeks. We have a couple of more games that, uh, that'll go between the two divisions. Uh, TABC will end up facing DRS before the end of the year. Give me a sec to check if there are any other cross games. I believe... Well, it looks as if the only other game... Well, North Shore and MTA will face. So, that's actually interesting. Because MTA North Shore may actually be a uh, a preview of the playoff of a playoff game. Cushion will also face Flatbush, but that I'm not sure that that game will mean uh, as much to uh, as much to the West as or as much to the playoffs as North Shore and MTA might. You might have a nice preview of a first round playoff game there. We might see exactly where MTA stacks up 
compared to the 4-5 from the other division. Either way, getting back to TABC, the Storm are undefeated at 9-0 and and are a win away from clinching a playoff berth. The Storm are going to have two cracks at it, the first coming up against Kushner this Wednesday, and their next Mate Shabbos against Frisch. A win by the Storm in one of those games will clinch a top-three West spot for TABC, while two wins will guarantee them a first-round home game. Should they win next Saturday night, it'll put Frisch in dire straits, given the matchups that remain out West. We're going to cover all those scenarios over the next few weeks when we get to our playoff episodes over winter break. Taking a look at the standings after these last two weeks, Hafter still leads the East at 10-1-0-1, only one point ahead of DRS. Like I said, that's going to be extremely important. DRS at 10-2 with 20 points. Hank uh, at 6-3-1-2. 15 points. North Shore at 5 and 7. Rambam 4, 7, 0, and 1 at 9 points, right behind North Shore. Flopush is 2 behind them with 7 points at 3, 6, 0, and 1. Solomon Schechter and Mag and David round out the division. Solomon Schechter at 2 and 8. Mag and David, having completed their season, are now 2 and 12. Moving over to the West. TABC now in sole possession of first place out West and will remain that way through the end, through winter break. TABC at 9-0, Ramaz at 8-4, SAR at 7-2-1, 15 points. Kushner also with 15 points, but 7-2-0-1. MTA at 7-4, Frisch 2-3-1-2, 7 points. Quickly finding themselves falling out of it. JEC at 3-8, 6 points, and Heschel rounding out the division at 0-9. Very, very light week ahead of us, much like in basketball. Monday night has JEC meeting up with Frisch in Frisch. Wednesday has TABC and Kushner at 7.30. Uh, also Wednesday is Solomon Schechter at Heschel. Uh, I believe that's the only East team. Yes, yeah, Solomon Schechter, the only East team in action this week in their cross game against Heschel. Saturday night, like I said, will be Frisch meeting up with TABC in TABC. Playoff update, we already mentioned TABC. Um, now, in the East, Hanks tied to DRS, moved it to 15 points, good enough to clinch a playoff berth, and now need only one point or a flopish loss or tie to clinch the third seed in the East, which they'll be locked into when it happens. Moving on to the rankings for Varsity. TABC, the clear number one after after last night. I think that, that goes without saying. Two wins over the weekend's MTA, demolishing over Hafter, who was ranked number two. Whether or not Hafter belonged at the number two, that's a different story. But I don't think that anybody is coming close to TABC through the rest of the season. Frisch is going to have to if they want to make the playoffs, but I really don't see anybody matching TABC the way they're playing now. Hafter is going to stay at number two. That might be a little controversial, but nobody really stepped up to grab that two spot over the week. They beat Rombaum and Hank. They lost to TABC, but SAR, the last game they played, tied Hank in Hank. Kushner, still at the four, only defeated JEC this week. I'm not sure I can really push them up for that. DRS, people might say DRS should be, but DRS is still at five. Flat, but after the win over Flappish and the win in overtime over Hank. The one team that really made their case to jump up this week was MTA, who even in losing played well enough to jump into the top five. They're not going to be there just yet. They have Frisch, uh, they, they beat, sorry, excuse me, they've beat Frisch this week. The two losses to, uh, the two losses to TABC. Let's see, are there any other games on their schedule? They have, they have SAR, JEC, and North Shore. Go into SAR, um, is that go into SAR? 
No, it's as that game they already did, they already lost to SAR and SAR. Play SAR, beat SAR at home. That'll prove you deserve a top five spot. The, right now you're on the cusp, moving up one spot from seventh to sixth. Ramaz drops from sixth to seventh as a result. Hank moves up from ninth to eighth with their myriad on the week. They pretty much hit everything with a win against Mag and David, a loss to Hafter, a loss in overtime to DRS, and a tied SAR. All they needed was a win in overtime, which they came close to getting but did not get. Frisch drops from the eighth to the ninth spot with a loss to MTA. North Shore remains at ten. Rambam at eleven with a loss to Hafter. Flopwish stays at twelve with a loss to DRS. JEC stays at 13 with a loss to Kushner. Megan David stays at 14 with a loss to Hank. Solomon, Schechter, and Heschel were idle this past week and stayed at 15 and 16, respectively. Let's roll on over to JV now. In the JV League, there were very few close games on the week. Megan David started out the stretch with an 8 to 1 destruction of Darjeeres. The win means that Mag and David will finish their season at 4 and 6, but will only tally 8 points and fall short of the playoffs once again, allowing North Shore to breathe a sigh of relief, knowing that they've dodged one bullet. However, they now have one other team that is causing them a bit of uneasiness, that being the Hafter Hawks. Hafter hit the 500 mark twice this week. First last Saturday night, the Hawks came from behind to top Hank 2 to 1 in Hank. Kenny Shearer put the Canes up 1-0 midway through the first, but in the second period, goals by Jacob Kramer and Donnie Goldberg gave the Hawks the lead and the win to put their record at 3-3. Three and three. They temporarily fell below the even mark Monday night when they were demolished by Rambam 8-0, Harry Tannen having a hat-trick in the first few minutes of the game, but came back afloat by passing the favor on to Shari Torah, defeating them 9-0. The two other East games on the week would involve DRS as Jakey Friedman seems to be finding his stride against teams other than Rambam, knocking back two East playoff contenders over the stretch by four-goal victories. Saturday night saw Friedman blank Flatbush 4-0 behind a natural hat-trick by Andrew Giller, including two first-period power play goals. Jason Shiowitz added the fourth goal for the Cats. DRS would also drop Hank 6-2, which ironically is also their record now, 6-2, tying them with Flatbush at 12 points, both with two games left in the race for the second home playoff spot. Both teams are now off until the other side of the break. Out West, only one game on the stretch as TABC improves to 4-2, and two, upsetting JEC 3 to nothing. Both teams are now tied with four wins, but JEC having one more loss. The schedule down the stretch still favors JEC, but with a tiebreak in TABC's hands, all the Storm need to do is match the Thunder to climb over them in the race for the third seed. JEC has Hillel, Westchester, and SAR left, while TABC has MTA, Westchester, and two games against Frisch. Unless JEC clears their schedule, it's very conceivable to think that TABC could get two wins over MTA and Westchester, which would make this loss extremely costly for the Thunder, as it could end up, barring a major blunder by Frisch or SAR down the stretch, relegating them to the 4-5 play-in game. Taking a look at the standings in boys' JV. In the East, Rambam clinches the, or they're already clinched, but they're look, they're rolling towards a perfect season at 9-0 and with 18 points. DRS and Flatbush behind them at 6-2 and uh, with 12 points. DRS holds the tiebreaker over Flatbush. Hank behind them at 4-4-0-1 with 9 points. Tied with North Shore at 4-5-0-1. Hank, however, has the tiebreaker over North Shore, clinching a playoff spot for Hank. Hafter 
right behind the Stars with eight points at four and four, tied with Mag and David, whose season has finished off at four and six. Rounding out the division, tied at one and seven, are Shari Tora and YDE. Out in the West, SAR, still perfect at 7-0 with 14 points. Frisch and MTA tied with 10 points. Frisch at 5-1, MTA with five and f- at 5-4, five with only TABC remaining for them, who is right behind them, tied with JEC at 8 points. Uh, TABC with the record of 4-2, as we just said, and JEC with the record of 4-3, and three, as we just said. Following behind them, Ramaz at 7 points at 3-4-0-1. Ramaz is really the only other team down the stretch, uh, along with the other five I just mentioned, that can clinch a playoff spot, or can at least contend for a playoff spot, as Hillel and Westchester are pretty much out of it. Hillel is 2-7 and seven with 4 points. Most they can get is 6, which would keep them behind Ramaz still. And Westchester at 0-8 oh can only get at most 4 points, which wouldn't put them anywhere close. Schedule for the coming week, also very light. Uh, Monday night sees JEC match up against Westchester. Monday night also has MTA facing TABC in MTA's season, regular season finale. Saturday night, we'll have Frisch meeting up with TABC. So, with such a light schedule, I'm pretty much going to have to find something good to talk about next week, won't I? I'll figure it out over the week, though. Taking a look at the rankings, Rambam still in clear number one, having defeated Hafter. SAR Idol stays at number two. DRS moves up from four to three, having defeated two playoff teams, Flatbush and Hank, in the last two weeks. Frisch Idol drops down to three. Flatbush moves up to the five spot despite losing to DRS because of all the action that happened behind them. TABC with the win moves up from seven to six. JEC falls from fifth to seventh. JEC has been a little, uh, a little back and forth on the year. Towards the end of the season, they're going to have to show us whether they're the team that came to play against Frisch a couple of weeks ago, uh, almost beating Frisch, uh, losing to them three to two, or if they're the team that came up to, came into TABC. I mean, TABC is not a bad team, but comparing the two, TABC and Frisch, losing three nothing to TABC pales in comparison to a three two loss to uh, to Frisch. It's it's night and day. Where will G where will JEC uh, finish? Um, it's going to depend on how they do against a, a team like SAR down the stretch. Hafter jumps up from ninth to eighth, defeating Hank, despite Hank being shorthanded in their game, uh, not having a lot of players. It's still part of the game. You've got to play the game no matter who's there, no matter when the schedule falls out. So Hafter moves up from ninth to eighth, defeating Hank, uh, defeating Hank on the, and, um, and Shari on the week, losing to Rambam. Uh, Hank, uh, drops to nine, losing two games, both to Hafter and DRS. North Shore, Idol stays in ten. Megan, uh, MTA, excuse me, stays at eleven. Megan David, despite the win over Darje Erez, will probably finish their season in twelve, despite, uh, unless Ramaz at thirteen really does something to, to wow us. Hillel at fourteen, Westchester at fifteen, Shari Tora and Darje Erez are at sixteen and seventeen. Before we leave, uh, I had a words from the wise prepared for you, but um, with the with the uh, news this morning of the passing of broadcasting legend Stuart Scott, I, I just felt like I had to give a few words on his influence on me as a broadcaster. I know you listen to me um, give essentially a news report, but there was a time where I was given a mic and told to be a personality 
in a, in a sporting event. And for me, Stuart Scott was a channel. Stuart Scott was somebody I emulated. He was somebody who had a verve and an enthusiasm for the craft. And you could tell every time he turned on SportsCenter that he just loved it and had a passion for it. And he translated it to you on the air. Uh, as someone who has lost somebody to cancer recently, um, I'm, my prayers are with the family. Uh, thank you, Stuart Scott. You will be missed. Booyah. If you missed this or any part of any episode this season, you can catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the Court Report on iTunes or the Knock'em Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, jam in the AM with Knock'em Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the stream, knock'emsiegel.com, or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111. 4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the Like tab. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nakam Siegel Network. <laughs>